What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, the Hungry Trends community sat down with Jordan Bosch, founder and CEO of Seven Shifts, a Union Square hospitality-backed labor management platform for restaurants. In this episode, we'll chat about how restaurateurs are leveraging his technology to improve their working culture and their bottom line. But more importantly, we'll dive into how the best operators are managing to attract and retain talent amidst a shortage of 1 million workers. So I'm really excited to be joined today by Jordan Bosch, founder and CEO of Seven Shifts. His software is comprised of multiple modules that handle everything from hiring to scheduling for 25,000 restaurants like Union Square Hospitality Group, Yogurtland, Black Rock Coffee, and Ann Pizza. Jordan, welcome aboard. Thanks. Great to be here. I want to hear kind of about the initial story about how you founded Seven Shifts, kind of the initial product set, feature set, and how you kind of expanded into all these different functions that you cover today. And we'd love to kind of get an overview of that product suite and how it's evolved. Yeah. So it, Seven Shifts started off, it was really born of this idea to try and help my dad, who was running some quick service locations with scheduling and managing teams. And I grew up working for my dad who ran restaurants, my grandparents ran restaurants. So obviously addressing these pain points for him was very near and dear to my heart and um, wanted to give him more time in his day back. So I built something really small and rudimentary from just learning how to code a little bit to allow him to upload an Excel spreadsheet and for to allow staff to download it all using a shared username and password. So not very secure initially, but really, really solve that core pain point he had in just a very small way where at least the schedule was just a little bit more accessible through uh, to the rest of the staff. In terms of how it's evolved, I had worked as a software engineer at a number of different companies before Seven Shifts made enough money where I could really do it full time. And by that point, where I was able to do it full time, we raised some investment, grabbed a few co-founders to partner up with. At the time, we were really a horizontal-based tool. So we weren't verticalized for restaurants. We were trying to solve pain points across a ton of different industries. And what we found was that there was kind of this feeling of being a jack of all, master of none. <laughs> and I'd experienced this at some of my, my past companies that I really wanted to build a product that people absolutely loved and adored. And so that's when it, it hit me that you know we could solve this problem for restaurants and some of the nuances that are very specific to restaurants, I think we'd be in a great position to solve them because of not only my background, but also the fact that everyone just really avoided selling software to restaurants um, a number of years back, just because margins were so tight. And, you know, everyone thought it was just this crazy industry to try and provide software to. And so we took this other approach or mindset, which we thought that was a great opportunity. So we, um, we doubled down and, and built for restaurants and integrated with some great partners that were restaurant focused and um, scaled the business and continued to attract our core customer base and really just listen to them and build for the needs that made sense for, for the restaurant segment. So can we just, let's go over some of those, what those are now, what, what you've built out, kind of uh, what are some of the most widely used ones that, that people are, are looking to seven shifts to solve? Yeah, so a lot of them center around... Um, even things like compliance in various states where there's a lot of rules and regulations as, as soon as you get into the, the multi-unit mm. realm, um, just 
you know, for instance, in New York, there's a lot of rules around clopen shifts and fair work week and signing off on timesheets. So there's a lot of these compliance things that people are looking at us for as it relates to the mid-market realm. And uh, also tip management. It's a, it's a huge problem mm. of, of calculating and distributing tips appropriately and sending that to payroll. And you just, you'd be surprised how many restaurants do it differently. <laughs> and it's really not straightforward. And also things like uh, during the pandemic, we rolled out task management with, with health checks um, that were a really core part of just being like having a safe work mm-hmm. environment. And, and the task management product was a really, really big hit for us because as, as we all know, if, if you work with restaurants or talk to them, there's, there's a, a ton of tasks that they have to do on shift and they vary by time and by person and, and by skill level. So those are some of the, the core products that we've seen widely adopted in restaurants. And, you know, the rest are kind of smaller things like manager logbooks mm-hmm. and uh, those types of things within the product. Once you get in, you, you kind of you see the lingo, you see that the other products that are kind of around you, you, you definitely feel like you are in a product that's built for you. Very cool. So everything, all these things pretty much have been historically done with pen and paper or kind of like your early prototype of an Excel, like a Google spreadsheet. I guess like how has that transition been for, you know, you have your restaurant customers and then their end user is their employees. How have you been able to help them transition from, you know, their old way of doing things to the new way of doing things? And how's that adoption cycle picked up? Yeah. So when we last surveyed restaurants, it was upwards of 70% of restaurateurs were using some sort of paper or Excel (laughs) to do any type of scheduling, which is, you know, honestly not shocking to folks that are in the restaurant industry, but they are shocking for folks that are not in the restaurant industry. But so we we noticed, I'll, maybe I'll talk a little bit about the transition through the pandemic as well. So we started off as a product that was a really nice to have product in that a lot of folks, like I said, did it through Excel and they were okay, like this is okay and this is fine. But as technology advanced and then the pandemic hit, suddenly you saw you know 10% of restaurants go out of business. And as it relates to our own customer base, only a, only about 1% of our customers went out of business. And that's not to say that if you use a online scheduling team management product, you're going to not close. It's, it's more like I think that the types of folks that we attract are folks that have a want to have a very clear view and transparent view of their labor costs, their sales, the, the operational drivers that, that, that cost the money, but also make them money at the same time. And what we saw after the pandemic hit was this mass migration to a product like Seven Shifts, where people were trying to say, like, okay, like, you know, maybe I've been I've been riding the black and red for long enough. And wow, that was a close call. And I need to get a better understanding on on the business side of how I need to operate and and make sure that I have a, a good grasp on that. So there were the obvious things that happened amongst operators where a lot of them adopted delivery, mm-hmm. right? There's like a, there's a, a huge surge in, in business for, for a number of those folks, but there was also a, a big surge after, after restaurants started coming back online for a team management solution that was end to end that allowed you a lot of those ins to see a lot of those insights into how you were managing your workforce and, in, in, and really trying to encourage more collaboration within the workforce. So communication tools were part of that because after COVID hit, people were at their houses and they were, they were really 
they were just kind of alone. So when you're bringing people back to work, you really have to build a culture of seamless collaboration communication on top of any type of you know, scheduling or shift management product that you're bringing into the mix. So we saw a big change and we were hitting record-breaking months pretty consistently as it related to onboarding new restaurants uh, in 2021 than, than we, we've ever seen. So um, it really spoke to this this new mindset that we saw from restaurant operators. And how would you like categorize the difference between like the needs for like, or like what the trends you've seen as far as adoption from the back of house versus the front of house, especially during COVID when a lot of dining rooms have been closed and servers kind of went away and it was mostly delivery and takeout. Yeah, there's, so during COVID, that was just a crazy time because a lot of restaurants ended up, while there was a lot of, furloughs and layoffs that happened within the industry, a number of restaurants were using their servers as delivery drivers, which was something we had never seen before. And there was this really odd conversation that we were having internally about, well, how do we, like we, we provide team management and solutions and we, we, we help schedule the staff, but if the staff are now driving cars, like, are we a logistics company? Like, what do we, and there was this really good back and forth about like, what role do we play here? And do we believe this is a long-term role? So uh, thankfully we decided against that, <laughs> that, you know, there are obviously more different companies where that is their complete mm-hmm. wheelhouse, you know, i.e. third-party delivery companies. But that was what we saw at the front of house specifically. From a back of house perspective, you know, we didn't see as much change as you did in the front of house. Cause obviously if you're shutting down front of front of house dining, um, you're you're not going to need a bunch of front of house people, but we did see you know decline on both fronts, but not as much in the back of house um, as it related to just pure staffing levels. So let's talk about some of the broader secular shifts. You know, it looks like according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, we're about a million jobs short of just pre-pandemic levels. There, that pretty much that number of job openings in the market today. You know, assuming that this trend sticks as we face more variants and other uncertainties with regards to, you know, the pandemic, how can a platform like Seven Shifts basically step in to fill some of those gaps of the, uh, you know, not being able to hire staff? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and to be honest, I don't know that technology is really the solution here. Um, I think there are some interesting things that could, that technology can complement. But I think what we're seeing is a lot of folks are, that are not coming back to work for a variety of reasons. It's not because the restaurant is missing a key piece of technology. It's, it's you know, workers that don't feel safe to come back. Minimum wage is a problem in a number of states, just the low pay. And also, you know, getting adequate childcare during some, some of these times for a number of folks. I think there's, a, there's just this huge thing that's happening in the industry that is, I would say, external to technology being able to solve that problem. And I think that what we're seeing out there today is that we were, I was reading um, on one of the news sites where they were talking about 40, I think it was 41 states were on track to raise minimum wage by, you know, whether it's like, like something like 25% by the end of the year. And I think that this is a, a really interesting time for the industry because it, it's breeding a lot of conversations around pay and, and benefits and long-term career opportunities with, within the industry that we've been talking about for a long time, frankly, around where, what managers and operators need to think more about. And 
there are a certain bunch of workers in the industry that will, you know, go work in the industry and then they'll go to school and they'll leave the industry and, but some will stay. And, but what we found when we surveyed our customer base is most of the folks, this, again, this is pre pandemic that wanted to stay in the industry, wanted to, they wanted to grow their career. They were chefs and they were folks in the back of house. And so when you ask some of these restaurateurs, like, what are you kind of doing to retain some of your talent as it relates to your, your cooks and your chefs and some of them that have larger aspirations, the answer was really nothing. <laughs> and you, you contrast that with some of the really, really big players that have great brands like Union Square and, and these folks, they're basically saying, you know, there, there is a path for you and that you, they can kind of draw it out and they have, they have these things that are more tangible. And we're really just advocating for a larger, and we're, I think we're going to start to see it as more of like a cultural shift within restaurants where there is a big emphasis on retention, on keeping your best people and and seeing how you can continue to level them up and, and keep them interested. So then there's two, I, I think that's where something like Seven Chefs mm-hmm. really does excel, which is the retention side and ensuring that you are keeping a pulse on your engaged staff, having regular communication with them and getting their shift feedback when it comes in and, and just making sure like you have a pulse on your people. I think that's going to be really key. And I, on, I, I believe that's going to be table stakes. But that restaurateur has to believe to their core that this is what they want to do and that they want to build in incentives for folks that want to have a longer term opportunity within the restaurant space. Like, and I'm not, I'm not even advocating for something crazy, like whether it's like a small grant for them to go to culinary school later, if they hit like a milestone, if they hit X amount of years with the company. And do you know what I mean? Like there are things that can drive people if, if that's what, what they really want. But the first step is is really just asking your people like what motivates mm. them and what drives them. And I think that's a really simple question that not many people ask. So yeah, maybe if you're veered off from no, your question. No, absolutely. A little I mean, bit, I definitely but. want to dive into this and I think, yeah. I mean, the retention piece is super fascinating. It, you know, you on your site it, it claims that you've seen an average of fifteen percent lift in employee retention for for the customers that use seven shifts. I'm, I'm curious um, how that product is designed. Are you actually coming up with these kind of suggestions as to how employees can be motivated? Or is it something where it's it's more like we're just giving you kind of the tools, you figure out how you want to incentivize them? Like how much handholding are you giving restaurants as far as, you know, best practices here, if that's something that they weren't even thinking about before? Yeah, so we, we do some not hand-holding, but we have some marketing material around just establishing basic things like cultural behaviors and norms for your business. So like, it's so common for tech companies that we operate in to be like, yeah, what are the core values? And you live and breathe them and you you hire, fire, and, tr- and, and reward based on these things, ideally. And I don't know why the restaurant industry hasn't really kind of taken to some of these concepts that some of the larger, like, well-known brands use. And, and I think that there's room to apply this to just any business um, as it relates to kind of, you know, helping attract the right people, first of all, and then retaining them. So I think that this this whole like, hey, we're going to just try and play this churn and burn game, get as many people in the door as possible and like pick one. It's like, it's a recipe for you to continue to just keep doing what you're doing and uh, which, which may not be great in terms of people coming in and then walking out the door, you know, a month later. So when we think about engagement, we think, first of all, we believe it's important for restaurants to have a set of core values and and norms that they adhere to. And we have a whole like 
we, we, we have like a very simple flow and framework on how to do that, that we've written on one of our blog posts that we can link, to, link you to. But separate to that, in terms of the engaged side um, and the stats that we have where we've increased retention by 30%, for, these are for folks that use our engaged product. And so we can just kind of compare turnover rates with those that use it versus not. And when we talk to them, a lot of it comes down to us surfacing folks that are highly engaged and then and also servicing folks that were once highly engaged but are becoming disengaged. Mm -hmm. And some of the underlying data points we look and make this analysis by are, you know, are, did you did you start at, at this restaurant and you were showing up on time? You worked shift, all your shifts. You worked for other people that were dropping their shifts. You worked, um, you posted your availability on time. You're communicating frequently, frequently with others. You are, and, and those types of things. And then all of a sudden, are you, showing up late and you dropping mm -hmm. your Friday shifts. And that's weird because you get paid the most on Fridays and you know, you're not getting things on time in on time and, and also shift feedback. We factor that in as well. So if you're saying you're having a negative shift experience, when we ask you through the mobile apps, that all goes back to the managers. And so in terms of your, your, your rating, and again, we, we just want to surface folks that are potentially becoming disengaged in accordance mm -hmm. to our way of collecting that qualitative and quantitative data for that operator to have a very human conversation with that person. And so we're trying to just use like a little bit of technology to augment the human experience, because at the end of the day, the restaurant industry employs the highest number of teenagers out of any <laughs> industry, and also even the most amount of first time managers like ever. So we are trying to give simple tools to provide some guidance to have some very just real and helpful discussions for these managers where they can be like, hey, Matt, honestly, like if I saw like Matt, your score dropped or something, your engaged score dropped, I would just say, how's it going, Matt? Like, I just want to, can we just chat for 15 minutes? I just want to know like, how's, how are things going with work? Like, and like, hopefully you've had that, you have a trusting relationship with your manager where you can open up. And, and honestly, maybe it's just a, it's like, oh, it's been a rough week. Like my grandma died and, and like, I've got like this, this homework and I, I'm, I'm behind on this. And, and maybe that's all it is, but at least you're showing that you care and you genuinely want to help in any way, because presumably if they work for you, you value this person. So you should try and help them if you can. And, and I think just having a very real discussion can do that. I love that. I, I, I It's like minority report for <laughs> employee turnover. It's like, you know, figuring out who's at risk and trying to predict that, but then also bringing that back into the real world through like some sort of you know, face-to-face -face interaction as opposed to being like employee 0050 is at risk of turn. Please send this uh, push notification back to their phone to boost dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully that never happens. That's, that's, that's crazy. But like going back to like the core platform, you know, it seems like, you know, just from going back to the earlier conversation right before this note about retention, um, there's really nothing that software can do to help restaurants get by with less staff, it seems. We just have to kind of design a better model around the new world we're living in with food and cost inflation, with labor, with minimum wage going up, with off-premise sales becoming a bigger part of your sales mix. These are the things that are outside of the scope of, of your company. You can't basically shoehorn this into something that is experiencing these, these crazy pressures and just expect to become more profitable and more efficient. 
Exactly. I think it's going to be a combination of things. I think advancements in, in technology and, uh, and and fixing some of these core underlying issues in the industry that we've had for a long time. It's it's just, you're seeing all the industry, like the, the industry was already kind of wounded right. and like, it's been, it's been like ripped open further and like a salt <laughs> shaker has been dumped in. And now you're like, oh, everyone's like, oh yeah, those are problems. And like, but if you worked in the industry, you already knew about sure. these problems, but and now it's like, it's kind of like nationwide, everyone knows about these problems. Absolutely. So I'd love to like talk about some of your best customers and, and some of the the leaders that, that you've been interacting with in the space and kind of how they've been dealing with these shortages and the rising costs of food and labor. And yeah, maybe like talk through some sort of case studies and you know, what are these restaurants of the future going to have to consider from when they're building from the ground up? So a few interesting examples. Um, I'll talk about Union Square because, um, you know, they're, they're a great customer of ours and, and partner. And we work really closely with that team because we think that Danny Meyer, who, who's, I should also say, he's an investor in Seven Shifts. So full disclosure. But where we aligned a lot with Danny's thinking is that there is a number of things that can be approved upon as it relates to the engagement of workers and and what we think software can provide on that front. And so when we think about the future of where restaurants, I think, are, are needing to shift towards is, is a little bit more of those, uh, again, those kind of like cultural norms and core values around hiring and hiring, hiring for, for fit. And, you know, just to quote Danny real quick, where he talks about like 90% of getting a great person is like the hiring part and like 10% is training them. Mm. You need to really get those core behaviors filtered out that are going to be suitable for your restaurant. And then, and then you can train those other things. But everyone kind of thinks of it in the reverse where like I can just train them to be like, <laughs> you know, charismatic to my guests. And like, but like there are some innate qualities that people have that are just they're, they're really innate. And, and I think identifying those and, and how you want to filter those is going to be really critical for the success of bringing mm. new people into your restaurant. Here's what we stand for. Here's what we believe. Here are the behaviors we don't tolerate. And, you know, here are the ones that we reward and do. I think those are like table stakes. And what does what your culture look like? That's going to be a, a big part of it too. Like I think of some of the other brands like, uh, you know, and pizza that we work with. If you follow them on social, they've got an incredible brand where they're just so active and they're talking about all the things they're doing for their staff. And they're just such a giving culture. And... I mean, who wouldn't want to work there? I think it seems like a great place to work. Like, and I think that there's so much competition now for a potentially limited size mm-hmm. of staff that these restaurateurs need to up their game and they should really look to some of the best out there to try to elevate themselves. And so, yeah, I, I can't say enough of like how important that is because then then you kind of get in there and obviously you know, a, a bonus is like the food's great, the people and the people are great, but also there's there's these things where you as a restaurant worker, you're aligning with because you, you, you actually philosophically care about the same stuff, right? I think that that's where you're seeing this trend happen is, is people want to work for, for employers that care about similar things that they care about, whether it's the environment, whether it's, you know, sustainability. I know uh, Bar Taco uh, also kind of recently uh, got on board with Green Places to Work, which Seven Shifts is also a supporter of and we're like a client of where they measure our carbon footprint. 
And we basically send it, send some like a, a certain dollar amount over every year to kind of offset that. And I think that that just alone, while, you know, it's, it's something small that you can do that you can talk about that may align with people that you're trying to attract your business. So I think that we're seeing more restaurants do different things to try and draw in people that care about the same stuff, but you have to tell people what you care about and what you stand for first, or else it's just like what you're just going to get a mishmash of, of folks. Yeah. I, lo- I love that 90, 10 kind of principle around hiring versus training. How specifically can a tool like yours help with identifying the folks that are aligned with you? What is the kind of product you've built for the hiring side? Is it an applicant tracking system, kind of like a greenhouse for hospitality? Is there something proprietary that makes it specific for restaurants? And how does that all work? So it's very basic right now what we have as it relates to hiring. Like we we, we essentially have a way for them to create jobs and, and post them in more of like an ATS-like fashion. But that's kind of what exists today. But I will say that our vision for for hiring is that you can identify and, and be clear about some of these like core traits that you are looking for. And maybe, you know, whether it's like submitting videos where they, you can kind of screen for that, like pre-screen for that. And then also longer term, we have like 650,000 restaurant workers within our product today that are active. And so we think a great long-term opportunity is, is really building out more of a network like a hospitality job network where we can help match some of these workers up with opportunities based on some of their past experience and qualitative and quantitative traits. Like, you know, if you're trained on a certain point of sale, if you, you know, again, clock in on time, you do these things, other peers like working with you, you know, maybe managers rate you high. Our theory is that we can get people paid more and we could also help managers hire better people um, that are going to stick around um, longer term in this, in this, uh, in this industry. So, yeah, very early days in terms of what we have today for hiring, but the network is really, I think, the opportunity that we're trying to create here that is more of our long-term strategy and, and what we can actually, frankly, do to add meaningful value to this industry that doesn't exist today. So th- this is an idea that like, I have this profile that Seven Shifts has on me based on all the other jobs I've had, assuming that th- those restaurants have been also customers of Seven Shifts and that you're able to kind of have this pro, you know, history on me that is valuable to some employer down the road and be able to pay me more based on creating a better fit for me. Yeah. And, and, and I should also be clear, you would own this data. Like this is, we, we've kind of like already structured this in a way where like we're collecting it right now, but ultimately the ownership we believe should be in the employee's hands around what they want to do with this. And, and if you want to use it to your advantage and you want to stay in this industry, like take it, it's yours and and try and get opportunities that may be a fit for you. But in essence, yeah, we think that there's, there is an opportunity here because so many, so many managers spend a lot of time hiring and oftentimes it's not a good fit mm. for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so we want to help them be more successful, but we also want to try and help the workers be more successful and, and evaluating restaurants. Like think of Glassdoor, like the amount of research that goes into an employee that goes to work at a company, like they, they look at things like Glassdoor, they like read reviews online. Mm. Like there's there, we should think about how we position ourselves longer term to add mutual benefit to both the restaurant worker and the employer as it relates to finding a fit. I think that's going to be really important. 
the Glassdoor opportunity is huge. The job board, you know, network opportunity is huge. I mean, but then your your product becomes, I mean, there's already however many modules you have, it becomes exponentially more complex as far as all these different things that you're going to add on in the future. Like, how do you go about prioritizing what those things should be? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that that's, that's something that's going to be we're just going to have to keep that in mind in terms of like we, our product has built, has been built on this really simple premise that like it should be very usable and, and, and user-friendly, have great UX for both the operator and the, and the worker, because ultimately we need both people using the product and contributing to, for it to be truly valuable. And so we're very strict in terms of like how we think about building. Like we think of like the employee life cycle, that's really where we play today. And that's where we're going to spend a lot of time. The employee life cycle as we define it as hiring, training, scheduling, paying them after they work their shifts and then retaining them. So engaged until they quit or are terminated. So hiring, training, scheduling, paying and retaining, those are those five areas that we focus on. And we are maniacally focused on addressing pain points in that. And, but keeping kind of our long-term play in mind in terms of how we want to add, add value beyond that. But I mean, we've done like, maybe 5% of our potential just in that employee life cycle today. There's just so much more to do and to address that that we can do for the next several years that will just keep us busy. So yeah, we're very focused on on that core aspect and we try not to, to deviate um, away from that. And we haven't talked about the payment side. Are there anything that you've been able to solve for restaurants on the financial side that um, they historically haven't been able to do and yeah, how does that work? Is it like a paychecks kind of type of product? So there's a few products that we're we're thinking about. And as it relates to the financial side, when we get it, like we're not a payments company, that's not that's not our core. Um, so unlike POS, that is just not like our our wheelhouse. But we think that through tip management um, and the, the 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 kind of complex stuff that we do on that side, we think there's an opportunity to get those funds to the employees through the seven just apps as well. And so really being able to push down tips when they, when they finish their shift in real time um, is something that's um, you know, in the works right now. And um, yeah, I mean, long-term, as I kind of mentioned in that life cycle, hiring, training, scheduling, paying and retaining that paying part for us is really around the payroll side. So we think that to tie a lot of the stuff together, we're, we're going to need to to be doing something there as well. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we're listening to operators, and that they're just like, we love the product seven just builds. So like, keep building more products. I don't want to integrate with the other guys. Mm-hmm. And can you just mm-hmm. continue to build product? And so, you know, separately, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, a, I'm seeing a lot of M and A in the space. And I think as a as a very like deeply caring product person, I, I worry that there's, it's going to merely exasperate the problems of disparate systems and technology that doesn't talk to each other. And then operators are kind of back at square one going like, we still don't have anything that does like, you know, this all in one feeling that we have. And meanwhile, you have other companies that may be like, great, you know, my PL looks awesome, got these companies rolled in and like, let's go hard. But again, I, I, I have a more long term approach to how I think about solving these problems where I think we have a great product. I think we have a great product team. And I think we can really help operators by tying some of these solutions together that do go end to end, that feel more seamless. Totally. I think the vertically integrated um, 
route is a, it's a tough one, but it's definitely something. I mean, I think it's a total cluster fuck of a mess of all these different softwares that are coming in and, you know, integrating it all with, you know, Omnivore and all these other different, there's just no common language between all of it. I'm curious to hear about your current integrations today as far as, um, well, I see you're integrated with, you know, payroll like ADP, uh, QuickBooks, but let's start with the POS. Like what, what is the data that you're kind of marrying from the POS with some of the scheduling data that you are managing uh, through seven shifts? Yeah, so the data that we bring in, there's a there's a number of them. So the first one is sales data. So we bring in real time, well, near near real time sales data into the Seven Shifts product, so that managers can see their real time sales on the floor through the mobile apps. But uh, we we store that data historically because we, when it comes to scheduling, managers build their schedules based on a labor target that is usually a percentage of sales or sales per labor hour target. Mm. Um, but if you don't have sales data, it's really hard to forecast, like forecast that labor spend. And so we factor in seasonality, weather trends, and obviously the more historical data we have on sales, the better. But then we help forecast what mm. that looks like from a sales perspective, and then allow managers to build out those schedules to hit their to hit their numbers. And um, often it's like ninety for ninety five percent of the time, when managers change our forecasts, they make them worse, um, which is kind of funny. Like there, there's still this human element of like I know more than you know, a, a piece of software, but, you know, for the most part, we, we, we capture a lot of information and, and, and have some really great algorithms that help those out unless, unless there's like a hockey game or something or, or some sort of football game that's happening that we're, we're unaware of. But that's one of the key parts. The second part is that we have from an integration perspective is just, we push shifts over to some of these point of sales to do, to do shift enforcement. Uh, so basically preventing early clock-ins, mm. like some, there's like thousands lost, uh, depending on the restaurant size, but in, in just early clock-ins where people show up, punch in and just sit around for half an hour and then like get dressed, and, you know. So there's like thresholds where we can allow grace periods that you can clock in between like five, 10 minutes before your shift. And the other one is uh, really just around employee data. So we're we're trying to, we've taken this strategy of going really deep from an integration perspective, not just with point of sale, but with payroll as well, where I think a lot of other providers have gone really surface level and added a ton of integrations. We've actually gone like really deep to the point where we like, we, we kind of do two-way syncing for some of these partners. So no matter where you change it, like it'll sync back and uh, syncing wages too is an important thing. So again, we, we really try to minimize these small paper cuts that managers feel on a daily basis as it relates to double entry, triple entry for all the systems mm. they're using. So that's another really key uh, key point that we we have a whole team that just works on like integration depth. So the machine learning forecasting is really fascinating to me. I mean, like in a bubble in a vacuum, you know, the idea of being able to staff up labor based on predicted demand makes a lot of sense. But in, in this current day and age where we're short a million workers in the U S you know, the reality of being able to treat labor like a variable, line item cost is, I feel like, kind of impossible. How are restaurants leveraging those kind of predictions to make sure that, you know, that they're not going into the red and being able to, but still being able to serve that 
forecasted demand. I mean, it just seems like really, really tough. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, with like a million workers missing, some have just coped with it just by having a bit of a smaller staff. So assuming the sales forecasting is accurate, it's pretty straightforward in terms of like how you need to staff. So we tried it, like we do have a machine learning component for very sophisticated operators that really want to go down that road. But honestly, we don't do anything super crazy. Like for 99% of people, it's like, here's like a sales forecast, which is what you would do on an Excel spreadsheet yourself. But like we did it for you and now just plug in your, your stuff. And for most independent operators, that, which is primarily our core customer, that's really all they want. And so there's, a, there, there's definitely like, and, and, and you know what, we, we may get there, but in terms of automating some of this stuff, but there is, um, there's a meaningful amount of learning that needs to take place that not only mixes what we can hit from a labor perspective, but also what the managers do themselves that is maybe outside that, how that learning takes place, right? Like that labor percentage won't, will be super high when that person needs to work an opening shift where sales have not come in yet because the restaurant's not open. And so being able to identify those is going to be important long-term for like people that want to adopt some sort of automation. But in the near term, we just want to provide a very simple experience that's not intimidating for folks that they can just do some really basic stuff as it relates to forecasting and, and getting their labor in. But again, we, we do splice it by different things that managers look at, sales, sales per labor hour, guest counts, things that are relevant to restaurants. But we, we try to not clutter it with buzzwords like machine learning <laughs> and stuff like that because no one no one cares about that in restaurants like and nor should you you should care about like what value value you're bringing the customer and in our case it's not a it's not a very like independents don't need that level of sophistication Got it. so it's so looking at like just comps year over year that sort of thing just taking historical data and just yeah. pr- projecting it out Yep, exactly. Super rudimentary sales projections. Like that's like what most of our customers end up using. And yeah, you can just kind of build from there. But or or you can copy from prior weeks, and and we can make suggestions. Like you can choose the level of sophistication you want to leverage. So I really want to, you know, on the topic of of uh, labor and automation, want to pull on the thread of some of the newer startups we're seeing around robotics and automation in the back of the house. Uh, companies like Hyphen that are doing, you know, basically an automated make line, Sweet Greens version of that, which they acquired from Spice. Picnic is a robotic pizza maker that recently just started uh, selling its automated, you know, production line for for the pizza industry. And, and all of this is really turning labor and from to from a fixed cost into a variable cost, and solving some of those pain points around scaling up and scaling down without having to overstaff. If you look at fast casual restaurants like Sweetgreen, you know, throughout the day, they have, you know, spikes of of demand where you need to staff up to hit those numbers for lunch. But then because you staffed up so much, you know, those guys are sitting on their hands until the next huge spike in demand. So smoothing out that curve is, is something that I guess historically hasn't really been possible until now you have this kind of, um, you know, automation where you can, you can basically tell the machine to go, you, you know, that you're not paying that, you know, you're paying based on the models for, for this automation are per bowl or per, per pizza, or it, it depends on the company, but 
it's a lot easier to, to ramp up. So I'm just kind of curious to hear what this means for seven shifts. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a great question. I think, um, I think we're seeing more of this transformation taking place in those, in the quick service realm, right? Stuff that's very highly repeatable, which is typically where automation comes in first. And so for us, I mean, we, ta- we target, like most of our customer base are full service restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I think that while there's a ton of benefits in the quick service space to having some of this automation help, I think at the end of the day, there's still going to be people working and in them, uh, at least for the next little while, maybe just at a reduced level. But I also wonder about how the evolution is going to take place within full service. And, you know, given that experience is just so much different, where you're kind of going out for those social and human connections, I I don't know that it'll be as prevalent, at least not for a little while. Again, I, I could be wrong, but I think a large part of what makes restaurants restaurants is that social activity where uh, where you go go up for that experience. So, but that said, I, I also you're also seeing um, in some of the numbers in the food uh, food service industry forecasts where fast casual and quick service bounce back the fastest from a revenue perspective, whereas full service are are kind of lagging behind. I mean, and, and are not expected to recover until like 2022. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think there's there's more of a push in in some of that innovation that's taking place in the in the quick service realm that we're seeing, and um, I'm I'm interested to see how it impacts full service. But I think at the end of the day, we're we're also going to be like we're staffing. We're we're kind of got a long term view of, of staffing the hospitality industry. So whether it's folks that are working in kitchens or you know part of whether it's ghost kitchens mm-hmm. or you know being part of these these establishments that have some, some level of, of automation uh, with them, those are, that's going to be a hospitality worker. And that's someone that we want to, we want to help long-term. So. Are you currently working with any ghost kitchen operators to service their employees? Not currently. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, when you're dealing with the world of ghost kitchens, automation, QSR, fast, casual, there are certain limits to what people are willing to pay. And I think the automation is going to help, you know, achieve that price point profitably. Whereas in the world that you are in of full service restaurants, people are coming for the experience. I feel like they're more, uh, the demand is, is more inelastic. Right. And I feel like the, the sheer number, like the fact that we lost a third of all independent restaurants is, you know, indicative of this, um, kind of bifurcation of you're either going for convenience and price or you're going for experience and when i go for experience this is going to become more like theater this is more like broadway and you know there's there's probably more wiggle room to to charge more and and a lot of the stuff you're never going to be able to automate right fully so i'm curious to get your take on on kind of like the future of of that of your core customer base of a full service and, and where that's kind of where, where the trends are heading. Is it heading more premium and experiential? Do you have faith in the kind of local trattoria on the corner that's just, ba- you know, flying by the seat of its pants? Yeah. In terms of how I see it evolving, I, I, I do, I do think you're right in terms of the, the, the separation of pure convenience versus you're going for the experience. And I don't know, given how social humans are, I have a hard time, thinking that full service would at some point lose that. But I do think that there are definitely things that, they, that can be done to kind of make that experience more worthwhile so that people make that decision to go on a date night to 
you know, a, a nice full service restaurant versus going to like pick up a quick, you know, salad bowl that's made in like 30 mm -hmm. seconds where, you know, it's just not the same experience. You're going for like a date night or you're going for like a special occasion. And so I think that there's more room for full service to just, I think, iterate and build those experiences to be just better and make it more worthwhile for folks to come out to those. So I, that's really what I'm excited for. I think you put it well when you you said you mentioned like Broadway and and this is like this this other experience. I think that there's going to be, I hope to see more of more of the blend of some of these type of events and 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 great places to eat, whether it be concerts or, you know, whether it's shows or or, or something. I think that there's there's room for that. Got it. Okay. Well, I'd love for you to you know plug away at you know if people are interested in in getting started with Seven Shifts. Uh, where do they go? Who do they talk to? Now's your opportunity to plug away. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for a, you know, a really basic, simple, easy to use team management solution with scheduling at its core, uh, visit sevenshifts.com. It's the number seven and shifts, uh, plural for shift work. And uh, yeah, you can, you can sign up from there, create your account and uh, you, you can kind of poke around. It's, it's, it's a product led, uh, we're a product led company. So you can really get a feel for the product once you're in, but right away uh, you can also talk to someone if you need help getting set up, we'd be happy to happy to accommodate that as well. It's been really fascinating to to chat through everything with you, Jordan. Thanks so much for, for coming on. And everyone, please check out 7shifts.com. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry With No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.